Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with another packed house with my co-host, Daniel Quinn, Courtney Staples, and Christopher Prunting. On today's episode, we finish up our foray into the black metal world of the land of a thousand decibels. Now, last week we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger with the twist, and that twist was, it's all clones. So what do we have to reconcile that twist on this episode? Based on that twist, I was thinking back to the Oblivion Angel idea that we had come up with, and um, like, what if it's not actually acting out of some sort of evil nature? It's actually trying to purify the Earth by... Mm. capturing those clone souls like it wants to um limit the maybe even like the damage that is being done to the space-time continuum by having all these clones all over the place so it's trying to like rein in that chaos if you will interesting so this is like a law keeper type right deal. yeah yeah okay gotcha so can you explain that more to me so like the <laughs> Is the angel creating clones in some way? No. So there's something I would, I imagine that like Satan is probably the one creating the clones when he like resets the timeline, essentially. Um, so who are the clones? So the, wait, hadn't we talked about this a little bit last time where Chris brought up something about like repeating timelines? Oh, okay. So you yeah, mean like, like when the realm that. is reset? That the clones are really the people from the past, which is right, re- yeah. restored. Okay. Yeah. They like, yeah, get reset basically. And something about that is like something about that cycle um, mm-hmm. of infinite like cloning is potentially like damaging the universe itself. So the angel is like trying to permanently eliminate certain mm-hmm. souls, certain songs really from mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's trying to like capture them so that it limits like the amount of damage that's being done. That's interesting because that would mean too that the we had talked about um, using music to bring yourself back through the story of yourself. Mm-hmm. That would mean that like that's like the antithesis of whatever this angel is trying to accomplish. Oh yeah, like those resurrection songs, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, it's it's interesting that you bring up the resurrection thing because my faction that I've brought today is like bucks the cycle of resurrection. And I wanted to bring in the, this aspect that I was thinking because I was like, man, you know, it's really cool and part of metal, I think, are necromancers. And I wanted to have like this, this set of necromancer kings that are essentially heroes that tried to topple Satan and have failed. And instead of being like destroyed, they're like essentially soul oblivioned, like they're obliterated from existence, but mm-hmm. they still cling to their undead life. And they are trying to, uh, and because they can't be resurrected, like their soul has been scoured from their body, but their sense of purpose is still there. And so now all they do is try and hunt down souls to try and resurrect themselves in some way. And I wanted to present these things not as like ghouls or as, you know, like weak kind of zombie things, but like incredibly powerful, incredibly dangerous beings that are just, they they could rule 
like empires in this land if they if they chose you know that type of thing that's really cool kind of like lich kings yes essentially lich kings but uh, a little bit different like and i wanted them to have enough personality where they could be you know heroic or completely tyrannical depending on the lich king you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so are they like they're existing on borrowed a borrowed song basically because their song has been destroyed yes something like that and uh actually if we're if we're bringing if we're talking about like the the recurring cycle of like the apocalypse i want them to uh i want them to exist outside of that cycle so they will they are a persistent force from apocalypse to apocalypse, you know, like, so given enough time, like, so you have to hunt them down and kill them. Otherwise there will be so many of them after a certain amount of time that, you know, you, you, you it's just nothing but Lich Kings. And so Satan (laughs) has to force these people to go and murder the Lich King every now and again. Ooh, do they, do they persist because they have a, a means of surviving the apocalypse by being in a phylactery of some kind? Uh, sure. I, I mean, I, I didn't really think beyond the idea that they're liches, but I, oh. I, again, they're necromancer kings. I want to make like sure a that musical instrument that gets preserved and then a band takes up the instrument and that's how they kind of get in trouble. Okay. Fucking Daniel. Like yes. Intelligent, that is the perfect intelligent idea. Guitar. Like a I guitar. Like yeah. It's, it's a phylactery. No, the instruments are the phylacteries. Yes. Yes. Of I love okay. that. So if, if that's the case, it's like we're we're kind of merging this idea of the phylactery, the and the uh, the there's in in Pathfinder and in other you know RPGs there's like the Death Knight right mm-hmm. where you put on the armor of this undead uh, knight and then eventually it takes over. I imagine the phylactery is kind yes, of similar. That's mm-hmm. what I like, and then yeah. maybe that's how they kind of like persist as they live on through other. They literally live on through other. Um, uh, artists who they then waste over time yeah. with their mm-hmm. wicked spirits. Yeah, it's it's a withering. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. And like, th- again, they have to continue to consume souls because the way that their body works is that it's like it's constantly burning through soul energy. So it's got to like eat continuously, and that's what keeps it going. Oh, I have a I have a question for you. Does that mean that they even need physical embodiment? Because like, if they are really a phylactery like guitar, and it moves from like musician to musician and it rots them the musician kind of ends up you know wasted just like if he'd been partying on heroin for years and then like when he ultimately dies and it absorbs his it's rotted burned out his song and then a new musician finds the the, the guitar i mean i want to keep it to a physical form just because Uh i think it's more interesting i i'm always a bigger fan of corporeal undead than i am Incorporeal. Yeah, they're just going from station to station, really. Is that a Bowie reference? I was going for that, yes. Ah, (laughs) Nice. Well, to be fair, if Bowie were in this world, he'd be the most, one of the most powerful magicians in there. So Mm -hmm. that's, Mm -hmm. you know, got to be part of it. But, you know, he would actually be a fractured personality that's over several different life forms. Oh, of course. There'd be the Thin White Duke. uh, There'd be Ziggy Stardust. There'd be uh, Lazarus. I mean, we have so many different options. And I know David Bowie's not heavy metal, but fuck it, man. It's David Bowie. You're going to fucking argue with me about that shit? Get the fuck out of here. Mm. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So so yeah, I, I wanted to bring some necromancers. And of course, 
they, you know, they raise the dead. That's the other mm. cool thing. Uh, so I, I was kind of imagining that after one of their performances where, you know, people are sacrificed and people die and everything like that. The difference is instead of, you know, like the corpse taker is coming and taking the corpses away. It's like, no, he raises them. And then guess what? That's the next mosh pit. You know, like that's the next one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So who's got a, who's got another faction that they want to talk about as long as we're getting off necromancers. Uh, mine was like kind of similar in the same vein, sort of um, related to people sort of lasting across um, rebirths of the world. Um, I was thinking like if somebody, if a group somehow figured out how to survive, or maybe they even had had an encounter with the Oblivion Angel and either took some knowledge from it or maybe had their souls partially consumed, but because of that, they were able to persist um, much longer than they should be able to. So they keep their memories across the world, but because of their nature, um, they have to remain hidden and probably very hidden from these Lich Kings that you brought up. I like the idea that we might have some kind of a secret war going on between mm, the two. Yeah. But let's talk about that a little bit more. I, I, I want to know, like, so what makes them special? What makes them interesting? Like, are what what's the difference between, like, a random coward who just so happens to live through the apocalypse and the people that you're talking about here? Sure. I imagine that they they retain so much knowledge and so much music across generations. Maybe they're the ones who are acting like actively studying um, Satan's song because they can retain their memories of how much they've learned about it from previous iterations. So these are, these are like sages basically, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Can, can we even go a little bit further and be like, not only are they sages, but they are like the keepers of the words or keepers of mm. the song. Yeah, definitely. Because now, now we can give them, a, and now we can give them a little bit more religious importance. And if there's a secret war between the Lich Kings and the Sages, then we can. I mean, now there's a shadow war going on, and the, the Sages are still trying to find the Apocalypse World and all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. The faction that I had in mind is ironically also centered around death, or rather, undead. I wanted to call it the Hundred Dead Men. And the idea that I had for them was there is one burial site that they kind of guard against, and it is this ancient evil that is constantly trying to break out. And the song that they're playing is that that is the the drum slash bass line to the song is it banging against its cage. Mm. Uh, I like that. I like yeah. that so far. Okay. Uh, the reason that they're called the Hundred Dead Men is because uh, there's a hundred of them and they're dead. No, no, no. Uh, each one of them sees themselves as like giving up their life to trying to pursue uh, getting good enough to defeat the beast. But no one has uh, come to that point yet. So while there's a hundred of them that are seen as like the higher echelons, uh, there are aspirants that are constantly trying to duel them for 
how we talked about how there would be like the duel of song where your soul would be put on the line. Mm -hmm. So imagine generations of this where you constantly have to fight those below you and your position can always be taken up until eventually they believe that they've amassed enough power to take on the beast. Gotcha. And we, there's no like definitive form or substance to this beast, right? So it could be purely metaphorical. So I was going for, in, in order to incorporate the twist, that it is actually one of the hundred dead men. It is their ancient general that just got uh, obsessed with power. And so they are actually trying to defeat themselves. Okay. Oh, interesting. I like, I like the reconciliation of the twist as well. I can definitely go with that. All right. Were they like um, a band? They are a band of brothers. Yes. A hundred people in a band, that's like slipknot levels of band <laughs> yeah. members. It's Which a battle like, of the bands. It's like a Philharmonic Orchestra, but metal. Ooh. Oh, wait, wait. We can do something with that because you can have like, um, oh, what's that called? It's like a choir of like Norwegian throat singers and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tuvan throat singers. I guess there's probably Norwegian ones. No, there's Norwegian. Yeah, there's a Norwegian. Mm. In, in particular, I'm thinking of a Swedish one um, the, fr from the Killer Instinct soundtrack, actually, because wow. yeah, they have like a men's choir of like basically like Viking dudes. And then they're also playing an instrument that's made out of human bones. I so, hope that's the group that was constructed out for Skyrim, because that's a missed opportunity. It could be. It could be. The the same guy who does the music for Killer Instinct also does the music for Doom and Doom Eternal. And oh. mm, yeah. The, yeah, the music in all of those games is just so fucking on point. So, so good. good. Yeah. I think BF, BFG Division actually did have the acoustics like, run through a human skull. I mean, that sounds right. I'm, I'm not going to dispute that. That sounds correct to me. That's and pretty also, metal, I think. I forget, yeah. uh, I forget the waveform or whatever it's called when you look up the way that like uh, sound would look in some sort of spectrograph or something, but it makes out a pentacle. Oh. That's yeah, that, they mm -hmm. just went several levels for fucking metal. Mm -hmm. uh, so, okay. This tangent might sound like it's nonsense, and it is, but... I think that what we can glean from this is that there is also a mountain that is also the skull of a giant that you play music out of. It's basically like an amphitheater, but fucking metal. So it's skull mountain, giant skull, and it's just a better acoustics for the, it's like, it's like a battleground theater, you know? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yes. Now, would it yes. be its mouth, or would it be, like, sawed into the back of its skull? I'm picturing mouth. Oh, it's yeah. got to be mouth. Yeah. It's 100% got to be mouth, yeah. So, Daniel, what is your faction? Tell us all about it. I feel like the faction I was thinking about was similar to one that Courtney had brought up. Um, I was wondering where in the universe of these metal people um, producers fit. <laughs> So I thought maybe there is these, there's this like ancient cult slash um, order of these, these golem like oracles who um, they embed or write songs on themselves. 
and so they basically they like they kind of absorbed or kept songs they keep the songs um of of history on their bodies um but they're not like alive they're like some kind of gold like creatures and the bands consult them for like higher wisdom Mm -hmm. so they get songs from them and they also exchange songs with them so they give them songs and then they embed them on their bodies so they can take new riffs to create new songs Mm -hmm. um and the twist with them is that some of them aren't good like some of them actually feed off of these bands um and that some of them are working together to control like the direction of of the development of music Mm. so i'm thinking of like you know like in buffy there's the um the gregory i forget what they're called the what they they actually call them um the watchers is what they call them buffy um but so that kind of like that but there's evil watchers and there's good watchers and these these like producer golem types um are meant to help bands develop but they also work against them because they want to control music mm-hmm. um so two things one these are jukebox golems is what i'm hearing right yeah, yeah yeah like that's essentially what they are but secondly actually daniel i think that what we can probably do is give them cohorts in the form of like managers like band managers essentially or agents you know, so they can either help or harm bands organize. They're yeah, like, that's what I picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can tie those two together. So it's like, hey, I get 10% mm-hmm. of your cut. Right. And they can either be evil or good, depending on, you know. Just that's like exactly the what they industry. are. Yeah. 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 Although, <laughs> realistically, in the real music industry, it's mostly evil. Like, yeah. <laughs> so do these jukebox golems have stars in their eyes? Uh, see I, i'm glad that you said that because i was like oh man i, I hope someone brings up a cheap trick reference <laughs> or is it wait is it cheap trick or is it foreigner i can never foreigner, get i believe God, it. i i remember from aquatine hunger force the foreigner belt you yeah, well they also have the cheap trick thing which is like they're they're the two competing like belts, right? Isn't that what happens? I think that's the next belt that fights them. I think you're right. Yeah, I, and I think that there's a reason. It's because they sound so fucking similar, like the two of them together. I mean, uh, again, this is this is an episode of tangents, and I apologize. For <laughs> Someone bring us back. Bring us back to the jukebox golems. Speaking of conflict, oh. Damn it! No, no, because no, we want to we we want to sit and marinate with Daniel's point a little bit more. Courtney, you have something to say about Daniel's point? Go ahead. When you were describing um, golems that are like sort of built out of music, um, obviously went in like the jukebox route, but I was also picturing ones that are like crafted out of instruments. Like they've basically oh. taken mm. instruments of past uh, generations or what have you, and like crafted them onto their own bodies so they're kind of expanding over time with physical embodiments of music that's amazing you could yeah, be like a big neat. band for, you could <laughs> be like big band from uh skullgirls what's also kind of interesting here is i like the idea of certain like managers and like producers essentially giving like a, a devil's bargain so it's like, we'll give you the rights and we'll give you this legendary weapon, but we own, you know, whatever portion of right. souls and faces you shred off, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got to have like a literal devil's bargain, you know, Charlie Daniels band style. And then uh, the other yeah. thing, too, I wanted to emphasize is that like, there's the, they're, they're obviously attached to individual bands, but like they're, the bad ones are also collaborating 
because yes. they're gathering the songs and they plan to like control the future of music that way. Uh, so I'm actually kind of curious as to what nefarious mean, like what's their eventual goal? Is it to overthrow Satan or is it something Ooh. else? I like that. To instill maybe they, Satan maybe... as their CEO. <laughs> well, well, maybe if Satan represents a kind of disorder and a kind of chaos and then maybe they represent a kind of order in the sense, in that sense. Oh yeah. So they want to like evil. Yeah. Right. They want to like bring order into a world that isn't meant to have it. And be more powerful mm. than Satan. They just want to make it so corporate, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so that's so that's a good angle that we can take with it as well. It's like this is this represents like the corporatocracy within the music, you know, where yeah. they take the soul and they process it, you know, but in a in a way that is um well, no, they just take your soul and try and give you something in return. So yeah, we can we can make yeah. that work. Mm-hmm. And because everything's literal in this world, like they're when they take your part of your soul, they literally take part of your soul. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Like they're betting it on them, and they give you a piece of someone else's soul. Oh, they're they're mm-hmm. soul depositories. They're soul yeah. banks, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what although, happens? What happens if you like kill one of them? With Ooh. what happens to all the souls uh, inside? To take from what happens in a different mythology, if you kill like a crossroads demon, another one just takes its place and it has the same backing of like the soul bargain that was made. But what yeah. about the souls within that entity? Uh, think of it like a will. They will those souls to the next in line. Yeah, I feel That's- like there needs to be a way that, um, whether it's that or something else, that, that prevents them from being easily hunted and killed. Because then people will just hunt them down and kill them and take what's in them. Right, there must yeah. be something that makes that difficult to do. Well, this makes it fruitless. Like, right. all you're doing is creating, like, oh, great. I a more powerful to- one. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I find that to be unsatisfying. I'd rather them be, like, giant loot boxes. You know, like, they're targets, but... Because they're surrounded by industry flunkies and they've created like this kind of society around them, they feel and present themselves as untouchable. And because they're so ancient and powerful, they are in part, but you know, they could still be felled in some way. There is a way that you can get around it in not being pointless. You can find out who their uh next of kin or whoever they would bequeath their power to and just get on their good side and be like, Hey man, I'm going to kill the guy above you and you're going to get so much shit, but I'm going to get this stuff. Right. But you're still substantiating that same pattern. I want there to be a way that you can shatter this pattern in some way. I want to be able to break the wheel. In Mm. either case though, is there, what's the consequence though? So like, you know, if a bunch of, a bunch of bands get together and kill one of them, what I would like is sure they can do that, but there's a huge consequence to doing that. And that's why people don't do it. So I like the idea that these amalgamation of hero souls within these things coalesce into actual living beings, whether they be human or extra human or something else entirely. I think the idea that, you know, these things are, they're soul depositories. They hold a bunch of pieces of souls together. And then when they die, they fuse into a singular being or multiple singular beings that are bits and pieces from multiple, you know, heroes and musicians. So it would make more, so if one of them is slain, it would make more, um, 
like versions of them essentially not versions of them because these things like i like the alienness that you brought to them daniel where they're like constructs in there and the reason that they can exist and can kind of deal in wheel and deal in souls is because they're not physiological they're not human right so they're just a container for these things whereas the things that come out of them when they're destroyed are very much like human they're like meat and bone but there's something different about them and like okay. maybe they're like maybe they're like um just super warped? powerful paragons or something like that because again they're all hero souls or maybe they're just grotesque like mongrel people you know yeah like what i think it would be good if is if whatever comes out of them are they're like uh shades of the of the thing that they were originally because they're they're okay. fragments of a soul so maybe like slaying one of them isn't a great idea because then you create all of these kind of shades that mm-hmm. now seek mm-hmm. their the rest of their song at any cost and so they're like you know dangerous i like that idea yeah okay. yeah Agreed. this is making me think of um the what are they called the reanimated people in rosewater mm. um by todd i Thompson. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it's just kind of zombies, but like they aren't all like out to eat people. It's it really depends on what the person was like in their actual life. Some of them get violent. Some just sort of stand in front of a doorway, like mm-hmm. waiting to be let in. Oh, so they're um, like sentience. Mm. But it's it's a false sentience. It's not right. false sentience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like a that. broken record. Mm. They're a broken record. Nice. Oh, that actually wasn't on purpose that time. That, that was yeah. good though. Wow. You know that, that totally works. Yeah, that's yeah. that's absolutely fine. Um, I was also thinking to um, tie it back in with the Oblivion Angel, since that seeks out souls to capture. What if like releasing all these souls at once kind of acts as a beacon for it? So oh, yeah. once you kill one of these golems, like you better get the fuck away because that angel is gonna like descend very oh, quickly. Oh, because it wants to create silence. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. and it detects okay. all these souls out there at once. Yeah, soul fragments. Uh, yeah, that makes okay. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so that that is absolutely something that we can do for sure. Um, oh man, that's fun. Okay, cool. Uh, so I think that wraps it up for our factions. Um, I think we're going to move now. We're moving on to our conflicts, which are just thematic or physical conflicts within the setting. And uh, Daniel, why don't you go ahead and start us off this time? The conflict I had is three words um, <laughs> because I feel like there's plenty we can do with it. Um, and that is dueling bands rivalry. And <laughs> mm. okay. okay. <laughs> the idea is there, you know, in any classic, like, uh, I don't know, like a band movie, there's the, the PC band, the band that is part of the party, your heroes you're following. And then there's their rival band that is just either slightly better than them or has an edge in some way and they're out to get them. And so I feel like this could be something that's done at a a per adventure or per story level where you're, you know, whatever, whatever your individual goals are as a party, you're always being thwarted and accosted by this other um, band. And so maybe endemic to this world is there are lots of rivalries between between bands for whatever reason, because I guess they're all in pursuit of, of the song that ends the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, this sounds really cool, and I love the idea of codifying a rivalry. You know, where it's like depending on the echelon that you're standing at, you're, you're or, or maybe it's like 
maybe it's almost like you're you're putting a, a wanted poster up with your band on. <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's like the more in, the more fame you get, the more rivals you attract, that kind of uh-huh. thing. Oh yeah, yeah. More people start hating you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not only that, but it's like bigger bands will be like, we gotta make sure that we put the put the boot on their neck first uh-huh. before they topple us. And right. then on the flip side, it's like, you know, you think you're so great. We're coming for you, man. You know, like mm-hmm. you have a, you could go either way with it. And then, yeah, that sounds really fun. And I mean, I feel like if we were doing this, like in a mechanical RPG sense, a rival system would, yeah. I, I feel like you could totally do something like that. That's like, mm-hmm. off, like the DM could basically play a mini game off screen or off table. And then, so it's like, oh shit. Uh, since the last time we met, um, you know, Rat Skull Mountain, they have gained a new drummer and a a sentient flame guitar. Oh man, oh we gotta be God. careful about them, you know, like stuff like that. I think that'd be really cool or an interesting idea for sure. Especially if they're like antipodes of you in some way, you know, of your band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mechanically too, it could be a fun thing to have like two campaigns running at the same time coinciding where each party is the other's rival and eventually you have them like meet i was thinking something like that or Mm -hmm. have the player characters make the rival for Mm -hmm. the character they're playing because i think that'd be really fun yeah it'd be like and because like the dm has some level of control over it right You'd create the character, give it to the DM, and then the DM would then have their own adventures off to the side with mm-hmm. those oh, characters. Like, like faction play is what you're thinking of. Yeah, exactly. From uh, Stars Without Number, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So that inter interband conflict is certainly badass as hell. Uh, does anyone have a good segue into another conflict that they have? So mine is actually kind of similar in terms of um, battling bands. Um, Last time we had talked about like hunting monsters to imbue instruments with awesome powers and stuff. Um, And so I was thinking that there could be a conflict around, around that, like hunting certain creatures, certain monsters in the world and kind of like the glory that it would bring to you um, and your band. But also have the risk of like over hunting monsters and mm. creating like a, a monsterless wasteland, which is very not metal and sort of defeats the whole purpose. So when you say wasteland, that sounds like really cool and metal to me. So <laughs> what we have to be careful of is instead of accidentally creating a monsterless wasteland, mm. it's a monsterless paradise mm, or yeah. like, green grass grows and, yes. you know like maybe they treat that as corruption of some kind you know? <laughs> yeah totally like you kill the monsters and then like all of a sudden the, like bunny rabbits are coming back in and yes. flowers are starting to yeah gross yeah, yeah. Like, there's nothing to like putrefy the landscape and so <laughs> you know the seeping corruption that is easy listening starts to come hmm. in and everyone's like oh dear god no yeah <laughs> i love it yeah that's great is it accompanied by a musical corruption? So, like, is it the sound of the wild that's that's just, like, the opposite of the kind of music in this world? I think the idea of, like, being in that area immediately turns the volume down and, like, starts to mellow out some of the harsher chords. 
Yeah. I think something like that is absolutely what happened. So you like you try and like bang out this sick ass riff, right? Mm-hmm. And but it comes out as like an acoustic guitar that's a harp, harp <laughs> as a as a harpsichord or a, um what's it? No, it's a harp. <laughs> yeah, or, oh, 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 or or instead of like drums, it's like why does it sound like I'm playing the fucking xylophone? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like something like that. It's worse and, than silence. It, oh, mm. exactly, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. It, I, well, I don't know about worse than silence because I imagine that you know even even bad noise is still noise. Whereas with the Oblivion Angel, when there's silence, that's like truly terrifying. You know, it's like um, Annihilation, where it's corrupt. It's cor- It's not only has it, it not only is it wiping you out with silence, but it's corrupting you. Yes. Yeah. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. I could see it too as like Annihilation. Um, if you spend too long in there, you start to like actually like your soul actually starts to change and you start to like sound like Michael Bolton or Enya or something permanently. <laughs> and in order to like undo that, you have to go do some like crazy badass metal thing elsewhere. Okay, this is not my first time defending Enya on this podcast. No, no, no. I, I'm totally fine with Enya. I'm just saying that she is very different Enya's from the opposite metal. for this world. Yeah. <laughs> what? See, why couldn't we go with like a Kenny G or something like that? Okay, yeah. I at least don't respect Kenny G. I like Michael Bolton and I like Enya, but I, I will not abide by Kenny G. God damn it. Okay, okay. We can, we can refer to him. Mm, mm. All right, so so we've got this anti-corruption, which is actually we've got anti-corruption going on in the form of easy listening with monsterless <laughs> landscapes. I love that idea. That's that's certainly on par with what we're talking about here. Um, Chris, what do we have for you? I had two kind of nebulous ideas, so I don't know which one to bring up. But uh, the one that uh, Courtney had actually said is a little bit similar to the one that I was going to have be the Annihilation New Wave. Uh, and that <laughs> seems a little bit too similar. Uh, the other one that I was going to do is, I believe that a lot of metal and rock and everything, people usually like to put what influenced them, the references that they took from, and there is a legacy that people seem to talk of. So I wanted uh, this group that goes around and kind of grave robs and steals people's possessions, people's uh, music and souls. Oh, that's interesting. Oh. So it's, um, it's like stolen honor basically. Right. Or they're like Correct. vultures. Yeah. Mm. What are they like? Uh, the idea was mainly when I was looking up the description of grunge, uh, but are they copycats or are they like, are they, oh, are they, oh my God. Lip sinkers. What's that? Lip sinkers. No. Yeah. Like, no. I was or, picturing or cover something. Bands. See, <laughs> cover bands. Cover bands. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's actually where I was going with, with my conflict. So. Oh. oh. Yeah. We can, oh. we, we can, we can either transition now, Chris, or you can continue to explain your idea. It's up to you. I was mainly picturing it being something like uh, Bizarro Superman only for the rock genre. But uh, if you're thinking something like lip singing, that could be that. But that sounds similar to what you might want to do. Well, no, my my conflict was that of the genuine versus the, uh, you know, like the, I don't want to say fake necessarily, but like the persona, you know, because... 
I think what we talked about previously was this idea of you have to do things for the right reason in this world, right? Otherwise, mm. it's not as powerful or as potent. But I also like the idea that there's this conflict going on where, you know, you can do the music for the money and the fame and the whatever, but that motivation kind of like in a weird way, like the Green Lantern Corps, how like the different colors, like you can be motivated by greed, you can be motivated by fear, and that's still really potent and powerful, but in a weird way, it's not as like genuine. And so one of those things that I wanted to talk about was the idea of industry plants, right? Where these, uh, maybe they're, Daniel, your your, uh, jukebox golems actually helped me with this type of idea Uh where the, the manifestation of like fake sound essentially comes from the jukebox golems getting together and being like, all right, let's have this new sound, right? And they literally, with all of the souls inside of them, form a new band. And they're industry plants, right? Where they're trying to take advantage and get power and money by purely commercial means. It's not about the artistry. It's like, okay, what's popular? We'll try and ape that. And so that's what the jukebox golems do is they create, and, and in certain cases, they might be literal plant people. You know, like, I think something like that is dumb and fun enough in and of mm. itself. But I, 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 the main idea that I'm interested in is genuine versus, uh, you know, inauthentic, I guess. Mm-hmm. So this is like almost like in the, in the pop music world, it would be like the pop uh, boy bands they create to serve a, a, a marketing purpose versus a band that actually came together for to create real music. Exactly. K-pop. Right. Well, there there is a difference between like artistry and aesthetic, right? So I I think that's the major conflict that I'm interested in is this idea of, you know, like we can do it and be popular, or we can do it because we want to do it. And I think the, you know, the 2000s boy band idea is entirely apt. And and Chris, you with the K-pop reference as well. Uh, like where it's pure industry, like none of those people are really like a creative force behind it. It's basically like a pop star factory going on, you know? Ooh, actually, uh, to wind back to uh, the legacy thing of mine, uh, similar to K-pop or anything like that, what if it was more of uh, things that just seem, there's something off about it. Like, have you ever seen Baby Metal or like Poppy, uh, the musical mm-hmm. person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just something that's off about it, like hearing a metal music from that just, I don't know, It it's interesting, I like looking at it, but it's still alien in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's actually a dangerous subject to kind of think about or to talk about in and of itself, because when we think about something like Poppy, right, where how, how authentic is it? And I suppose this is this yours and mine are kind of tied together in this regard mm-hmm. where it's, you're going to have people and you're basically going to have music racism or music sexism where it's like that's not the metal i know because and then the gatekeeping happens right mm, yeah you know because it doesn't fit their uh small sub-genre mindset of what that music quote-unquote should be right mm-hmm I think I just think that's also an interesting topic and conflict that we can kind of talk about as well. 
like then it gets into the debate of like what is metal exactly mm-hmm. exactly but and it, I, but again i think that's a little bit too meta i think i would want to stop right before we get to that point you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. no i think that should be more of a story point in your world where you display your worldview of mm-hmm. what's going on because you shouldn't be told what you see as metal like i i think poppy's heavy metal album was actually pretty good <laughs> right well and, and i think that's also a really good point as well it's like what your definition of metal is is could certainly be different like vars vickerness while undoubtedly a metal musician his idea of metal is like white supremacy and dear god that's not my version of metal like that's something that i absolutely would want to push back against you know like yeah. th- that's the that's an interesting conversation oh, to have yeah. as well Dude, oh yeah a lot of white supremacists at heavy metal concerts yeah it's mm-hmm. been a long ass time but yeah i remember that now mm-hmm. oh yeah and, and now i mean it's it's punk concerts too i mean there's a reason that dead kennedys have a song called not punks fuck off and it is not ironic you know like it, this it, you you know when a genre of music gets popular enough it's bound to attract people who are you know assholes and fucking literal goddamn nazis so yeah mm-hmm. I think it's always important to have um, certain switch like switches you can flip um, when you're when you're working with a setting or um, a mythology that is how you flavor it for your adaptation. So mm. like like so if, if if the definition of metal is one of those switches, you know, then everything you build in the world will have will be tainted by that point of view right in a, in a good way right i say tainted but i mean like mm-hmm. it's your adaptation just like so for example one of the switches in in, in traditional dd was alignment right so like yeah. if you if you turn on a switch and you, you're you're defining what good and evil is right so you have to pick, yeah. make that decision as a gm so if you're gonna run a pirates campaign well then good is actually evil for you it's selfishness right so that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing with metal you can decide metal is you know maybe it's the weird indie metal stuff that's cool for you maybe it's like classic i don't know 70s metal so that's that's what you have to decide right for some people all metal is is iron maiden and things that sound like iron maiden Mm -hmm. you know there is a level Mm -hmm. of fanaticism involved so that's that's also a really interesting point to delve into as well it could even be the theme of the campaign it could be that in your campaign there are competing definitions of metal and that is what people are fighting about see that's a really cool idea yeah you join the faction that's trying to take hold of metal Right, and, and and the whole th- the whole idea, the whole theme surrounding the game is like finding the true soul that is metal or, or rock in general. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've mined to the core of this heavy metal planet, and I think it's time that we go ahead and throw in some plot hooks and figure out the best way to add some spice and adventure while fucking around with other genres. So before we get into these plot hooks, there is something I do want to bring up, and I think it's important, is that between our uh, Battle Trains episode and this setting, Daniel told us last night, as of this recording, he said, quote, guys, I think I might like metal. <laughs> and I just really want to take a moment and like just give a slow golf clap to that uh throw out a hail sweet satan because finally we have another convert daniel i'm just really i'm just a proud papa right now i just want to make sure that that's known 
I mean, I have to give uh, appropriate props to Courtney because she sent me, what was the first band? It was something in Ardor. Zeal and Ardor. And Ardor yeah. yeah, and I was like, man, I love this. And that weird like chain kind of beat to it. I was like, whoa, I didn't know Metal Cloud sound like this. And I'm like, I'm on board with that. And then I was listening to all the other ones you were sharing for the Ride the Lightning thing. I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I'm glad that we can crack open your 1998 <laughs> vault of music and maybe add in a couple of more options. So yeah, yeah I'll add those to the edge of my library of garbage <laughs> songs. So like, there's, there's room for five songs. There you go. <laughs> uh, I don't care what we kicked out, but I'm glad that we made room for metal. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. So uh, for our plot hooks today, the genre that we're going to be starting off with is going to be. Straight up fantasy. We already have a pretty fantastical world. So let's take a traditional fantasy trope and amp it up to 11 in this particular setting. Does anyone have any ideas surrounding a plot hook that is revolving around a fantasy world? So I immediately thought of Tom Bombadil. Yes. <laughs> How, okay. dare you? So, How dare you? As one um, does, yes. I mean, that's basically it. Um, Tom Bombadil, but in this like metal setting. Mm-hmm. Or why? Why? or See, all of this in like Middle Earth, which I guess was part of the original prompt, even. Yeah. Mm. So, so Courtney, I can actually totally run with that. Like mm. that's easy for me because in this world, Tom Bombadil is not some merry gentleman who's off to help hobbitses. No, he is in <laughs> fact he is he's the equivalent of like a Pied Piper or like a walking corruption of easy listening music. <laughs> He's so Oh god. Yeah, exactly. So whereas like, you know, these they're heroes and they're doing metal things, like this guy is going around handing people fresh pies, helping people with like, you know, blood wounds and whatnot. Blood wounds? I don't know what that blood is. Wounds. Yeah. As opposed uh, wait, to regular wounds. I have a question for you, Rob. Please. Okay, and this this touches the very cosmology of the setting. Yes. So if Satan is a force of nature and basically like not really bad, he's just we say hail Satan. So kind of he's almost like God in this realm. Right. Um, Does that mean that this Tom Bombadil corrupted character is actually a demon from their version of hell? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And is their hell like basically the Hobbit? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So so (laughs) this is making me think of the uh, Bilbo oh, Baggins no. song by Leonard Nimoy, <laughs> which if you haven't if you what? haven't heard or watched it, I highly recommend. Greatest just look little Bilbo Baggins, Leonard Nimoy. Okay, okay. Um, I, I love great. this. It's great. I, I love this so much because now, so now we can go ahead and go back to my previous hatred of Kenny G, and <laughs> he is now the bastard child of Kenny G and Tom Bombadil. He's going around, and instead of trying to tempt people into hailing Satan. He's the satanic panic, but yeah. <laughs> version of the satanic panic. Yes. Um, okay. So so when you play his records backwards, it's actually some... It's, it's Psalms. Actually, yeah, it's like, it's something that's like, here's a recipe for cookies and brownies, kids. Like something <laughs> like that. And so the satanic panic is sweeping across the blackened landscape of the world of metal. And it's like, we've got to stop this Tom Bombadil character. He's got to go down. And so it's the, it is now the heroes who have to rock so hard that they can reconvert the, uh, the now straight-laced, khaki-wearing children who've been 
afflicted by this Tom Bombadil King <laughs> hybrid. What a goddamn it. nightmare. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I think, I, I, oh my God, I love the idea of a reverse satanic panic. That's so good. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we, I, I, does, I can't really top that. I, that's why we're moving on to the next plot hook because really, <laughs> I, I recognize him. Like, yeah, we're that's yeah, we're good. We're we're moving on. All right, so next up for the next plot hook genre, we're working with Chris, Courtney, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Tell me what a romantic plot hook in the land of a thousand decibels looks like because i am so excited to see what the fuck this is romantic a romance Um, plot line yeah i mean what and what what does metal so in my brief my brief looking at videos seeing some videos when i was preparing for that game um like the music videos that they make i was i saw a bunch that were fantasy metal i guess because there's like crazy like i don't know dungeon looking stuff and dragons and such so it seems like there's for so, at least for some angle of metal there's there's a nostalgia or maybe like a mary sue-ish self-inclusion kind of fantasy of being this he- either hero or like badass knight demon slayer so i think mm-hmm. part of it is like this nostalgic wistfulness towards a fantasy but i don't know what that translates to as a romance but romantic with a capital r is what i'm suggesting well, yes yeah. to go into how we were also doing uh stereotypical fantasy you could do the whole rescuing someone trapped in a tower kind of thing because that's what i think of every time i listen to holy diver for some reason i'm i oh my god get out of my fucking head chris <laughs> my brain immediately went to dio as well like holy shit you thought I was going to reference something else. Oh, God. I, I hate that reference, but I'm but so glad me. that we got the Dio reference. Yes. It's, it's funny because I mean that, that, that metal, even though it, it tries to portray itself as this dark, black, like, um, you know, from hell kind of thing, it's got an actual pastoral to it, which is very strange mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also, there's there's weird roots in like kind of this misogyny to it as well, where it's mostly like, a male power fantasy of slaying. Oh, right. Demons. That's what I mean. Power yeah. fantasy. Yeah. 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 Where, it's, where it's like, I'm going to slay the demon and get the big breasted, you know, like wench. She's gonna right. Fly. You know, like there's that aspect to it as well. We didn't mm-hmm. get to know each other at all, but I killed something. Yeah. So, so <laughs> how can we kind of fight that? How can we maybe make this a power ballad that is like romantic and also metal at the same time? What can we do in that regard? I think this is actually tougher than it sounds. Uh, yeah. You could kind of take it from uh, the like ancient romance where two people who were fighting each other uh, and dueling the duel of like souls instead become one soul because they're meant to be. Okay, Chris, that is an excellent, excellent starting point for sure. That's a great idea. Um, I like the idea that this isn't even necessarily soul combat that these two warriors are so like they're fighting so hard that they're basically like destroying the landscape around them but they've been fighting for hundreds of days right and so maybe there's that aspect to it as well that 
this clash between these two warriors has gone on for so long that it is a walking disaster area. And maybe the idea is, okay, the heroes have to come in and stop the fighting from happening because guess what? All this destruction, while metal, not actually helpful or metal enough, you know, something like that. Someone just needs to walk up to them and be like, kiss. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's it's also it also reminds me of the Oglaf comic where it's like blood and thunder and they're just like two like super metal dudes just fucking each other raw. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah you know I- ignore <laughs> them on the bridge kind of thing. Yeah, well, I was about to say, like if you you're wizard. looking if you're looking for a way to to pervert uh the misogyny at the base of the whatever um metal themes there might be <laughs> you might have to clear the thing essentially i don't think we necessarily need to but i think that's certainly part of it that we could do as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. you know and and that's why i kept i was using like you know like specifically gender neutral terms because those two warriors uh-huh. could be two dudes could be two ladies doesn't matter like the idea that they're a walking disaster is what's more interesting well, so if, if you explore that then um, and they're engaged in combat, is part of what they have to accomplish is like um, reverse their point of view. So like maybe what this party has to do is like swap their bodies or something. So now they have to like fight each other from different perspectives and understand who they are and why they're fighting each other. That's actually really interesting. So normally that kind of sorcery in Conan the Barbarian is like looked down upon, right? Mm -hmm. But I love Mm -hmm. that as like an idea, right? Where it's like, hey, this is the sneaky way that we're going to do it. So if if that's the case, right? If that's the solution, how do we make that happen? How do we cause that spell or like body swapping to happen? It could be unintentional and that's part of it. Like that's how they're soulmates or whatever. Right, but if we're setting this up as a plot hook, right, that, mm. that's the idea, is that we're setting off a, a tipping point that we've reached this point in the story, now the, now the adventurers come across this, and it's their job to finish it, right? So how do, we, how do we make it so it's their job, and what do they do in order to make this body swap happen? They have to finish a song, like it's a half-written one. Oh, maybe, okay. Okay, I love where we're going with this, Chris. Maybe the two of them were bandmates and they were writing a song together. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to finish that song with like bits and pieces that you find from Uh the other ones. And it's like, wow, this is actually a really devoted love song. You know, like that's just so happens to be metal as fuck. Mm -hmm. And by finishing and performing that song, you can reconcile the two lovers and stop this walking disaster of the battle. Yeah, that's pretty Mm. perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Well, again, I I feel like those are good stopping points, and I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode and this series of World Build With Us. Holy shit, thank you so much, Mr. John Doe, whoever you are, for introducing the Land of a Thousand Decibels. It's been fucking metal. Hell yes. Thank Hail you. Satan. Uh, remember that if you want us to build sweet ass worlds like this, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Or you can go ahead and shoot us a tweet over at Let's World Build or just give us a follow. Alternatively, you can come join our 
community over on our Discord server where we hang out, talk about world building stuff, and occasionally, I don't know, bullshit about nonsense. Or if you're feeling really generous, you can give us money over on Patreon. Links for the Discord and the Patreon in the description. Uh, and beyond that, remember that we love you very much and we'll get through this together until next week. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Oh, Daniel. 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 No, that's cool. No, Daniel doesn't have to do it. Well, okay. No, that's fine. Daniel doesn't have to do it. Daniel's clutching his crucifix right Hail now. Hail Bilbo Bot Baggins. So mm, there we go. Tom we like them apples. Uh, Tom yeah. Bombadil. Hail, okay, yeah, we, Hail yeah. Tom Bombadil. Uh, or beyond I, to him. Tom Bombadil. Yeah, that uh that audio isolated Daniel is going to come back to haunt us. <laughs> <laughs>